0: charlotte it's shelby it's riley and And it's it's time time to to smut up and and listen. listen Just a reminder for today's episode and all future episodes, our opinions are subjective. We don't advocate for kink-shaming or author-shaming. This is all in good, smutty fun. Enjoy!
1: Today's episode trigger warnings are graphic violence, rape and sexual abuse, and explicit sexual content. And
0: today's book is Satan's Affair by H.D. Carlton, which is a prequel to the Haunting Adeline series. Yeah. And today we have a special guest... One of the hosts of the Babbling On podcast, and also Riley's husband, Andrew. And he does not read Smut. Oh, he yeah, no. He does not read Smut.
2: Books suck. Movies are better. Nerds.
0: That's a hot take. False. Why don't you just scoot on a uh, scoot, scoot right on off this podcast? Couldn't get that out.
2: See you later.
0: How many stars on Goodreads did you give this, Shelby? Uh, three. I also <gasps> gave it a three. Three. Yeah. What's the reason? I love Sibby. I just... <sighs> <laughs> that's all I have. So, Riley's heard about Haunting Adeline, but Andrew has no clue. So, this this will be interesting.
2: No, I listened to the first part of "Haunting Outline, not the second part, though.
0: Okay. I
2: honestly have no recollection of what happened, though. Besides the the roses, is all I remember.
0: Okay. Well, there's no roses in this one, so. Well, well then I got nothing. Okay. There
1: is the color red and lots of red. <laughs> so my quote for Andrew and Riley is, "I'm not crazy, I'm just passionate." Same.
0: Red flag. <laughs>
1: Honestly, Sibby's a walking red flag.
0: <laughs> and mine is, blood spreads across my pussy, but he pays it no mind. We both love it when I'm soaked with blood. Oh, mm-hmm. uh, okay, girl. Yeah, I can't ignore that. <laughs> <laughs> so we start with Sibby. Sibby's our only POV. And she's chanting that Nightmare Before Elm Street rhyme while she's stabbing someone. So that one, two, Freddy's coming for you. That one. Three, four lock the door I think that's the one-hmm she says that the man is evil and she knows because he smells like rotten eggs and brimstone hmm. yummy she tells her henchman mortis to come grab his head and mortis is dressed up in red skin with gloves with like black talons on the end and she uses her favorite pink knife to scoop out the man's eyeball she tells mortis to let go and she realizes the man is gurgling blood and she must have hit a lung and then she's just like whoopsie do you know my bad. which
2: which eyeball he she took
0: it does not specify I don't think I would assume the right. Oh,
2: yeah. That's no, that's the bad one. Mm, shoot. All right.
0: The man knocks her sideways and then starts to make a run for it. And then she casually walks after him and turns on all the strobe lights and the carnival music. So she's at the fair, the Satan's affair fair in the haunted dollhouse and nobody else is around. Do you remember the haunted dollhouse from Haunting Adeline? Yeah. I do now.
2: Yeah. Sibyl's the the freak that's alone, right? At the carnival. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. I, I remember now.
0: She sees her other henchman, Jackal, dressed up as someone with burnt skin and boils at the end of the hallway. So they're all dressed up for the carnival. So at this point, she's dressed up like that little broken doll. That's so fucking scary. He doesn't help her and it's because he knows that she loves the chase. And she hears a loud yelp and knows that the man has run into another of her henchmen. And he yells out, "Crazy bitch, Buck Cherry!" Yeah.
2: <laughs> How is he running with a punctured lung?
0: And no adrenaline. Idol. Yeah.
2: Mm, debatable. He's probably
0: not running very fast. Oh, no. No. yes, yeah. <laughs> so Sibby's super offended that he called her a crazy bitch. And she says she's not crazy. She's passionate. Yeah. <laughs> she follows the man's blood trail and finds him in the kitchen with Cronus and the other henchmen. So it's not a real kitchen. It's the dollhouse kitchen. Okay. Cronus is a big guy, bulky, with veins all over his body, especially his dick. How does she know? She fucks him. Oh, They're her henchmen. Oh.
2: You, is this your first smut book?
0: So this henchman is dressed up as someone with no eyes or mouth. And it's fitting because because he's mute he can't talk the man now has an axe in his hands he like obtains an axe somehow and he's swings it hitting the wall and sibby is pissed off by this because he's ruining her dollhouse.
1: yeah The disrespect.
0: She whines to get Cronus to get him to stop, so she's like, Cronus, make him stop. That's how she talks, like, the entire time. (laughs) Cronus grabs the axe and snaps it easily over his knee, and then she orders Cronus to bring the man back to her room. The man is thrown on her bed and still fighting, and Sibby crawls on top of him and straddles him. The man with the punctured lung and no eyeball. (laughs) Oh, okay.
1: Mm -hmm. Not the henchman. She brings up her knife
0: and stabs him repeatedly before burying the knife in the top of his head and then she takes the knife out of his skull and stabs him some more
2: the feeling of my pretty knife cutting through flesh and bone is making my clip pulse <laughs>
0: At some point, my eyes roll and my tired arm slackens as pure bliss shudders through my body. I grind my body against the empty vessel high off the kill. Euphoria racks through my spine and within seconds, I'm coming hard. I continue to grind my hips against the man, drawing out my orgasm and wringing every last drop from my pussy. I'm flooding him, my juices mixing with his blood. So she's like getting off on this dead man. That's what's (laughs) happening. She's just like dry humping his dead body. she. sibby (laughs) sibby is a freak eventually mortis comes in and tells sibby he thinks the man is dead and then she looks down and sees that the man is basically just a pile of ground meat at this point from how much she stabbed him (laughs) yeah just humping a pile of ground meat (laughs) she's loving it Hmm. She motions for Mortis to take the body so he can bury it, and then Timothy, her other other henchmen, will clean up the mess. And she says Timothy has the best body out of all of them, and he's dressed up like a clown. So everyone's dressed up as like a scare actor. I love it. Yeah.
2: Mm, my clit. Your clit.
0: <laughs> After Timothy is done cleaning, he wipes Sibby down while she sits in a chair, and she spreads her thighs, and then he just sticks his tongue right in. Just as she's coming, Mortis walks in. Mortis is tall and skinny, but he carries all his weight between his legs we're getting all of these descriptions from sibby's TV. mortis lifts her up and places her on the bed with his dick between her pussy lips and he slams into her and then she comes again as he fills her up with his cum since he cleaned her off she doesn't have her doll makeup on anymore and she thinks to herself that she looks like just a plain average girl with brown hair and brown eyes but she doesn't need to be beautiful to rid the world of demons Sibby is the daughter of religious parents, an abusive Baptist preacher dad with fucked up sexual desires, and when she was little, she'd walk in on him having orgies in the living room where men and women were riding him or sucking him off, and he said that they were draining the fluids to be blessed by God. Amen. He also has 17 other children, but he's especially abusive to Sibby. Once he stabbed her through the hand with a fork at dinner for refusing to bring girls to the house for his draining parties. Ew, draining party. That is disgusting. Nasty. Sibby's mom was good and she smelled like roses. So if someone's pure and good, Sibby will smell them as if they smell like a flower okay. and those are her favorite people. Sibby's mom was one of her father's many mistresses and when she had Sibby, she was only 11 years old. Oh. Yeah. Yikes. And her mom's death is the reason why Sibby does what she does. Sibby works as a scare actor at Satan's Affair and spends the day sniffing out people who smell like they deserve to die and at night she waits for them in the walls of the haunted houses. So she, like, cuts out all these secret entrances and peepholes and just, like, watches people and smells them as they walk
1: through. Yeah, she lives (laughs) in the walls of the haunted house. Little fucking creep.
0: (laughs) The next day, she's wandering the fair looking for demons when she's knocked in the shoulder by a girl and it makes Sibby drop her cotton candy. Bitch. It's
2: like $13.
0: Out of a carnival, honestly. Yeah. Sibby smells the girl to see if she deserves to die, but she smells like daisies and Sibby tells her that she smells good and walks away way really upset about her cotton candy and the girl is like "Like, you fucking smell good (laughs) (laughs) and then she's sniffing around and she smells rotten eggs but she can't pinpoint it so she goes back to the dollhouse she climbs into her secret homemade door in the wall and she's walking through the tunnels and eavesdropping on all the other scare actors who are starting to file in to start work And she hears a girl named Jennifer crying about a guy named Gary who'd forced her to have sex with him the previous night while she was drinking even after she'd begged him to stop. And the girl mentions that he's supposed to be coming to the fair tonight. And I guess it's her boyfriend. He sounds terrible. Yeah, Yeah. fuck you, Gary. Did you hear that there's like a... A shortage of Gary's happening in the world. Not enough people are naming their babies Gary. I mean, yeah. Makes sense. That's I feel like that's rightfully so. Can you imagine being like, this is my baby? Gary hey. Gary. <laughs> <laughs> Sibby stays in the walls while the haunted house gets started up and watches everyone through her peepholes. So the carnival will open and then the haunted houses will open once the sun sets. So the carnival opens before the haunted houses do. Okay. After watching group after group come through the haunted house, she doesn't smell the rotten egg demon smell and she's getting Frustrated. So Mortis offers to lick her pussy to get her to stop pacing, but she refuses because she can't get distracted. Hey, I'll lick your pussy. I can see your stress. Yeah, that's basically what it was. And she's like, no, uh, I'm doing something here. I don't have time. He slams her into the wall and says that if she keeps making so much noise, he'll tell the guys not to give her any dick for a week. And then he slams her head into the wall so hard she sees stars and asks if she understands. She says yes, and he tells her she's a good girl as he runs his hands up her dress. Don't they work for her? Right? They're her (laughs) drenchmen. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, but like, how are they going to be like, no, bitch? I know she likes it. It's fine. That's
2: true. Maybe one's, like, lead hen- drenchman. You know, he's got a little extra power.
1: Who do you think is lead drenchman? Mortis. Oh, yeah, I think Mortis is, too, because he's, like, the bossiest one, I feel like.
2: He's got the biggest tongue.
0: She doesn't even say that. Andrew <laughs> yeah, just made that up, everyone. <laughs> I could tell. <laughs> Fuck, he groans, dipping the tip of his middle finger in my pussy before spreading the cream up to my clit. You're so fucking wet. <laughs>
2: His finger presses into the sensitive bundle of nerves swirling around and sending intense pleasure throughout my entire body. I grind my pussy harder against his (laughs) hand. Frantic for the sensation he's creating His finger circles faster Against my clit I struggle in his hold Desperate, needing to breathe But needing to come even more His middle finger slides down to my opening And plunges deep inside me I arch my back and my eyes roll His thumb continues the mini strations Of my clit as he slips another finger Inside me I'm fully gyrating into his hand now Oh fuck, my erratic movements Cause the sharp talons on his finger to dig into my throat. The sharp pinpricks heights the agonizing bliss. It takes a matter of moments for the coil in my stomachs to snap and euphoria to render me boneless. I clamp my teeth down on my lips to keep quiet, squeezing my eyes shut tightly as I ride his hand, drawing out the orgasm crashing through me. <laughs>
1: That was
0: beautiful. I'm unwell. (laughs) You got really into
1: it. I know.
2: You have to.
0: He kisses her and tells her she has the nose of a bloodhound and won't miss any demons that come through and walks away. Then another group comes into the haunted house, but there's no demons. Then the door opens and a lone person walks in. Sibby knows the house is at capacity, so this person is sneaking in and he absolutely reeks. He looks around, obviously high on something, and it's obvious that he's searching for someone in particular, and Sibby notices how ugly he is. He runs into one of the scare actors who stalks toward him all creepy, and he tells her to Back off, you weird bitch, and demands to know where Jennifer is. And that's the girl who Sibby <gasps> heard crying. Gary. Please. Gary. Also, you weird bitch, Ugly you're, Gary. In a, you're in a haunted house. Yeah. Fuck you. He's like, you weird bitch. <laughs> the woman won't tell him where Jennifer is, and another employee with a chainsaw scares him and runs off up the stairs. Sibby follows him and starts singing Ring Around the Rosie. She's creepy as fuck.
1: Yeah, she is.
0: And Gary runs right into Jackal and Bane, who block both the entrance and the exit to the room that he's in. Jackal knocks him out and Sibby runs into the room and starts making out with Jackal. (laughs) Nope. She's like, fuck, this is hot. She loves all of this. Jackal is hard, and as much as Sibby wants to suck his dick, she's got a job to do. On the clock. (laughs) She drags Gary's body through the secret door in the wall and down to the small alcove that will fit a few people inside of it. And she ties Gary to a chair and slaps duct tape over his mouth and runs off to find Jennifer to tell her that Gary won't be a problem anymore. She watches Jennifer through the walls for the rest of the night and sees her crying anytime she's alone. And her friends come in when all the guests are gone and Jennifer tells her friend that she's upset that Gary never showed up. And Sibby is super pissed off and thinks that Jennifer is an ungrateful bitch. She's like... Like she should have been more appreciative of what i did for her but no (gasps) she's sad that she didn't see gary so sibby stalks back towards where she has gary tied up and gary's awake now and screaming at sibby through the duct tape so she rips it off and asks him if he raped jennifer and he denies it and says that it was consensual because she was his girlfriend and sibby slaps him right in the face yeah gary that doesn't mean it. it's consensual no no the drenchmen confirm that the fair is completely empty so sibby uses a pressure point in his neck to knock him out again and drags him out to the foyer and she unties him and waits for him in her playroom with her knife Gary is locked in, and as he runs through the maze of the dollhouse, he's led right to Sibby's playroom. When he lunges for her, saying he'll fucking kill her, she flicks her knife out and stabs him right in the eyeball. (laughs) No, you won't. She starts to stab him over and over again before grabbing her handsaw. So she has all these little weapons stashed all around the house. She's smart. She is. And when he's on the ground begging for her not to do this, she stomps his ankle, cracking it. She steps on his chest and starts sawing at his flesh, cutting his arm off before grabbing his remaining arm and sawing off all his fingers one by one. Damn. Yeah. Then she grabs a blowtorch and cauterizes his stumps so she can keep him alive. A little bit longer. And when she's done, she tells him to get up and try to escape and to stop crying like a baby. She starts having a tantrum when he says that he can't get up and says that if he doesn't, she'll cut out his other eye. So he runs and he falls down the stairs and she walks down after him and she's following him as he hobbles through the house, but all of her drenchmen are guarding the exits. Standing guard in front of the foyer is Bane, my little grim reaper. That's who he's dressed up as. With his black hooded cloak and a skeletal body, he puts Mortis' body to shame with the entirety of his ribcage poking through his gray painted skin along with every other bone in his body. He says he doesn't like to eat and I don't push him to correct his eating disorder. His cock is skinny but is the longest out of the bunch so he always gets to fuck my ass. Okay. <laughs> so the Bane has the skinny dick?
2: Skinny dick Bane. But it's
0: long. Yeah. Great for ass-fucking. Great for an L. Gary begs Sibby to just kill him, but she wants him to confess his sins. She gets him to admit that he raped Jennifer, but says that she was his girlfriend, so he didn't think it was that big of a deal. Sibby obtains a mace at this point and uses it to smash his uninjured foot, so it's barely hanging on. Absolutely awful. Mace?
2: Spiky ball on a chain.
0: Oh. Yeah. I thought you meant like mace, like, <laughs> mace. He just sprays his foot. <laughs> <laughs> ah! Bane starts jerking off in the corner watching this, and Sibby pulls down Gary's pants and flips him over. She shoves the mace up Gary's ass as Bane jerks off over his head. Jesus. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh my god. She's like, you like raping
1: people? Here you go. Ugh.
2: Bane jerks his dick faster, his chin in his chest, as he watches the scene with unveiled enchantment groans slip from his throat and soon come spurts from his dick landing on the floor and mixing it with Gary's blood I laugh though Gary hasn't even noticed due to his entrails being dragged out from his ass (laughs) 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 I drag the bat out his intestines wrapped around the spikes and other parts of his innards Gary convulses as his entrails slide out of him within seconds his screaming ceases, and silence settles over the house. All that's left is my heavy breathing.
0: Baby, you read it like it's like an informative video.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I don't read for people, okay?
0: I love it.
1: It's great. (laughs) I like it too.
0: <laughs> so now it's blood orgy time.
1: Uh-oh.
0: Sibby strips her dress off and all of her drenchmen appear. She crawls up on the dining table that's surrounded by creepy ass mannequins and she gets on her hands and knees. So remember this whole house is set up as a haunted house, so there's just like mannequins everywhere. Oh, god. Timothy spreads her thighs and starts licking her and Jackal steps up and just starts fucking her. Cronus walks in in front of her and she starts sucking his dick. Bane climbs onto the table next, straddling my body with his his feet planted firmly on the wooden surface. He slowly backs up while Jackal leads away, making room for Bane as he continues to fuck me. Jackal pulls out long enough to allow Bane to plunge the entirety of his cock inside me, coating himself in my juices. He pulls out and Jackal resumes, pounding into me with renewed ferocity. Bane grabs my hip with one hand, guides his cock with the other until the tip is crowning my tight hole. I squeeze my eyes shut, trembling from the pleasure and the pain I know is coming. In one thrust, Bane seats himself completely inside me.
2: You're so fucking tight, Bane murmurs, his words dipped in sin. Excuse me. (laughs) Okay. You're so fucking tight, Bane murmurs, his words dipped in sin, covered in blood, looking like a fucking goddess of death. She tastes so good, too, Timothy sighs around my center, nearly grinding his lips against me. (coughs) Bane doesn't give me a moment to adjust. His hips slam into me, jolting me forward and causing Jackal to slip from my pussy. (laughs) Pain consumes my backside, fire licking at the edges of my not so forbidden entrance. <laughs> he slowly glides out and slams into me again. He repeats this process until the pain recedes and pleasure slides into place. When I arch back into Bane, Jackal slaps the tip of his cock against my entrance, teasing me. <laughs> <laughs> It was beautiful. Cronus wraps his hand around the back of my head and pumps his hips, the swollen head slipping far down my throat and depleting the oxygen from my lungs. (laughs) I suck and I lick at his engorged flesh, roving my tongue alongside the thick vein pulsing in my mouth. Drool slips from my mouth, creating a pool of saliva below me, but I don't care.
0: (laughs) Sibby comes and Mortis walks up, saying that he wants to get underneath her. So everyone vacates her body, and Sibby gets on top of Mortis. Mortis loves me on top; it's his favored position, and one I'm also happy to oblige. Biting my lip to contain a wide smile, I slide down the crown of Mortis's cock up and down my sopping pussy.
2: Sit on my fucking cock, <laughs> Sibby, <laughs> now. <laughs>
0: I slide his tip to my opening and slam my hips down. Cronus doesn't waste time, slipping his cock past my lips to keep the moan from spilling out. Jackal and Bane move back into their positions. Slowly, Jackal works his cock into my pussy alongside Mortis's. Filling me so full that I can hardly breathe. I'll never get used to the feeling of two dicks inside one hole. It feels too fucking good. Once Jackal is in position, Bane follows suit and slides back inside my ass. Holy, she has three dicks in her. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Count them. I mean, at least Bane has that skinny dick in her butt, though. Yeah.
2: I want to feel this pussy drenching me with your cum. Mortis says right before lifting his head and drawing Cronus's balls in his mouth. (laughs) So they're <laughs> This is yeah, new. Yeah. Took them so long to play with each other. <laughs>
0: <laughs> they're all playing with Sibby. All at once, my men begin to fuck me, drilling their cocks into me until I don't know where they begin and I end. Fuck, Timmy. Jackal grunts from behind me. I smile around Cronus, knowing Timothy is sliding his cock right into Jackal's ass. What? <laughs> More than anything, I want to watch Timothy fuck Jackal, but I can't bear to stop sucking on Cronus.
2: You can multitask.
0: Yeah.
2: You can watch it suck, I'm sure.
0: Cronus wraps his hand around Sibby's throat and she comes again and all the men come one after the other. (laughs) It's just boom, 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 boom.
2: It feels like gallons of semen are being spilled into my (laughs) body. (laughs) My tummy bloats from the amount, and I have to grind my teeth against the incredible fullness.
0: (laughs) My tummy.
2: You're bloating from cum?
0: A lot. Yeah, imagine all the cum. That's a lot of cum.
2: Bucket loads. In both
0: her (laughs) holes.
2: And the G-spots are definitely being utilized right now, too.
0: Sibby looks over to Gary's corpse and smiles, thinking to herself that today was a good day. Yeah, it was.
2: Ice Cube said that too.
0: Yeah. She's probably just humming that to herself Mm -hmm. right now. (laughs) Bane tells her that tomorrow they're leaving for Seattle. There's a rumor of a huge pedophile ring out there and she asks Bane how she's going to choose who to kill and Bane says, why choose when you can kill them all? Yeah. Why not
2: both? no not both?
0: Bilingual. Okay. (laughs) And then we get a flashback. Sibby's 18 and her mom walks in after being missing for almost nine days She's a shell of a person at this point because of Sibby's dad. And she tells Sibby that she was staying at another one of the houses in the compound. Sibby's never left the compound before. So her dad's in charge of, like, this entire compound. And he just has all of these, like, young women that he just fucks. He has 18 kids. And I think at this point, it says that he has five more on the way. Jesus Christ. It's disgusting and they're all with like young women. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or children. Yeah. Yeah they're children. Sibby's mom tells her that her dad hasn't hurt her but Sibby sees a handprint shaped bruise on her neck and Sibby's livid and begs her mom to run away with her but her mom says that she can't and completely breaks down while Sibby holds her. She tells Sibby that she's the only one with enough strength to stand up to her dad and hands Sibby a knife with a pink handle and Sibby understands what her mom is asking her to do and they lay down and fall asleep together. Unbeknownst to Sibby her Her mom had poisoned herself with ricin and she stares at her mom's dead body all night without realizing (gasps) it. That is awful. She thinks she's watching her mom sleep, but she's actually just... That is so fucked up.
2: The deepest sleep, some say.
0: They do say that. Yeah. We switch back to the present, and they're in Seattle at this point, about 20 minutes from Satan's affair being open for business. Sibby and her henchmen are in the walls, waiting and watching, and Jackal tells Sibby to open her legs. As Jackal does. Kill some time. Tentatively, I open my legs wide for him, bearing my pussy. My breath is short, and my cunt throbs beneath his ravenous stare, already anticipating what he's going to do to me, how good he's going to make me feel.
2: Fake blood drips from his wide mouth, and the sound- reminds me of when I was covered in Gary's blood while he fucked me from behind. You smell so good. <laughs> <laughs> he groans. <laughs> I feel a blush creep into my cheeks.
0: <laughs> you feel so good. <laughs> <laughs> Blood spreads across my pussy, and he pays it no mind. We both love it when I'm soaked with blood.
2: Like a snake, his tongue slithers out, licking me once before the delicious muscle disappears back into his mouth. I shuddered nearly jumping, when his tongue snakes back out again. Right as I open my mouth to berate him again, he closes his mouth over my clit.
0: Jackal tells her that he'll stop if she makes a noise, and she nods her head, saying that she agrees. Jackal laps at my cunt slowly, languidly, happily, as if he's eating an ice cream cone on a hot summer day. Every stroke has my eyes fluttering and my thighs shaking. She's unable to keep quiet and moans. Then Timothy walks in and Jackal narks on her for making noise. Timothy says, don't worry, he'll keep her quiet.
2: His thick cock is hard and pressing between my shoulder blades. He rolls his hip once, enough to show me what I do to him. Just as another soft moan starts to escape, Timothy's hand snaps to my neck and brings my head flush to his hard stomach.
0: His hand flexes around my throat, constricting my airways until just a morsel of oxygen is able to leak through. And with a vengeance, Jackal eats me alive biting and licking every inch of my pussy as she's about to come timothy chokes her so hard she can't breathe jackal licks her clit and she lets out a muffled scream as he shoves a finger into her and timothy reaches down with his free hand and starts playing with her breasts
2: My nipples are nearly cutting holes through my nightgown. He plucks one between his fingers, strumming my nipple and sending shockwaves straight to my pussy. Another flex of Timothy's hand, warning me to keep quiet. He could sense the groan building in my throat beneath his hand. Timothy continues to tweak my nipples, (laughs) squeezing hard until the pain is blinding, and then releasing and and allowing Jackal's tongue to steal away the pain. (laughs) (laughs)
0: She comes again just as Timothy releases his chokehold on her and slaps a hand over her mouth as she screams in pleasure. Jackal looks up at her with his face covered in her juices and tells her that it's time for her to get ready for tonight. The fair opens and Sibby is hungry, so she leaves her wall to go get some food. The haunted house doesn't open until sunset, so she has some time. She looks around and sees everyone having fun and riding rides and eating greasy food. She pickpockets a man who's busy yelling at his child and doesn't notice what she's doing, but the boy knows notices and just smiles up at her and doesn't say anything so he's like hehe, fuck my dad take his money <laughs> <laughs> she orders a philly cheesesteak and a lemonade and sits on the bench to eat it as she's eating she smells the rotten smell and looks up to see an old man wearing an expensive suit and a rolex Sibby notices a small drop of blood on the watch. The man is with his wife who looks frail and timid with a bruised collarbone. She stares the man down until he notices and as they make eye contact, Sibby knows that this man is pure evil. The man smiles at her and Sibby prances off to the dollhouse as he watches. She gets in her secret wall tunnel and waits. The second group to come in are two girls who smell like flowers, one with cinnamon-colored hair and freckles, and the other with dark brown skin and light green eyes. They're beautiful, and Sibby is drawn to them for some reason. She watches as they follow the path of the maze, and when they're out of sight, a large man in a black hood pulled over his head walks in alone. He smells like brimstone and burnt roses. He's not pure, but he's not evil either. Is that that Zadizade? The man walks to where the girls were headed, and then Sibby smells the rotten smell again as the door open for the next group it's the man and his wife and three other men who also smell rotten the man points in the direction that the women and the hooded men went to and tells his friend there's also a doll here sibby are these these are the dudes yeah these are the dudes okay these
2: are the mob guys
0: the mob guys she rushes through the walls to find the girls she thinks at this point that the hooded man must be with the group of evil men sibby doesn't know what to do because she knows that she can't overpower five men so she decides to get the hooded man first and the main evil dude and take both of them out so those are her priorities at this point she spots the hooded man and starts singing a creepy song as he enters one of the bedrooms Sibby bursts out of the wall and past Jackal, who's standing at the end of the hallway, right by the door the man just went into. Jackal and Sibby burst into the room, and the man asks, where are they? And Sibby says, safe from you. She tells Jackal to go and let the others know there are two girls being followed, so he does. The man smirks and asks if she's crazy. She hates this question and tells him not to call her that, and she kicks the door shut, grabs the knife that's strapped to her thigh, and tells him she's going to kill him. I remember this part.
1: The large man wants to know why Sibby would kill him and she simply says because I've cast my judgment and he is very confused by her statement and steps towards her and when he asks what she means she tells him she knows he's going to rape and hurt those two girls so she's going to stop him and then he just sidesteps her and then they get into like an actual tussle. Tussle, yeah. She's literally punching him and he's just (laughs) dodging her punches. (laughs) She can see his face for the first time when the hood falls back and his eyes are mismatched and electrifying with a thin white scar cutting brutally down his face. She thinks to herself how in another lifetime he would fit right in with her drenchman.
0: Drenchman.
1: She manages to land a blow across his cheek and all it does is piss him off and he finally hits her back because the whole time he's just defending himself and he breaks her nose. He just (laughs) punches her right in the face and breaks her nose.
2: (laughs) Little does he know that's her thing.
1: Yeah. He literally (laughs) walks around her, steps out of the room and this bitch puts her nose back into place. Yeah. Good for Sibby. She's a tough bitch. She is. She finds him in the same room as the four other men and the one man's wife She squeals and he groans and is like, can you just leave me alone? (laughs) Like, let me do what I need to do. Go away.
0: Get off me.
1: The four other men notice her and they're like, what the fuck? The scarred man charges her and she tries to defend herself, but he grabs her, bends low and whispers into her ear, we have a common enemy. Those four men are dangerous and sick and it would make my life a lot easier if you help me get rid of them. And she is shocked (gasps) because nobody has ever done what... she she does by ridding the world of evil zaddy zade does she nods in agreement and he lets her go and then the scarred man charges one of the others and she runs at the man closest to her and they both work together to knock them out they stuff them into the wall and before she leaves she asks what the scarred man's name is and he says zade and then he goes away You called it. It's Zaid. Zade comes back and he's late and Sibby's patience is done. And he looks like he just got done making out with someone. So she's like, you are late to help me murder people because you're making out with someone? Not cool. I know who it was. <laughs> he did more to make out. She leads him down to the playroom and orders her drenchman to wait behind, which she never does. They always help. And Zayd gives them a weird look and then asks Sibby, like, what's your deal? And she's like, what do you mean? And he's like, are you just fucking insane? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And then he steps into the room to see that the four men are strapped into chairs. And as soon as they see Zayd, they start screaming. I forgot to say, she lets the wife go. So after they attack Mm -hmm. the four men, they're like, you can leave. Don't say anything or I will have to kill an innocent person. So she's gone. She watches as Zayd talks to Mark. And she's curious about the exchange and the change in demeanor when Mark asks Zayd, which he goes by Zach with Mark who the fuck he actually is and Zaid says you can just call me Z and she notices that the four men like instantly like pale and they're like oh fuck but she's like what's your actual name you said Zaid, not Z not Zach she tells them to stop talking so she can start killing and Zade's like okay go for it just leave me Mark she whirls her knife at Zade's head and he dodges it and it moves into Mark's stomach instead and she's never seen that before she's like what the fuck is this guy <laughs> she then goes to the 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 other man kicks his chair over and sits on top of him as she stabs him over and over and over again. Zayd has to literally come and pull her off of this man and tell her to calm down. And then he asks what her name is and she says Sybil, but her friends call her Sibby. And he says, Sibby, I need you to stop stabbing them so I could talk to them. Just be patient. Calm down. Calm the fuck down. (laughs) She calms down and is kind of like happy that she has like a kinship with Zayd, and listens as he goes back to questioning Mark and she learns a lot of things about all the child sex trafficking rings and stuff that Mark is doing. Nasty. And as she's learning all this information, she turns giddy with the chance to kill these people. And Zade's like, okay, I'm gonna keep questioning this guy, but those two, they're all you. Go for it. Knock yourself out, kid. My pussy grows slick and this
0: time I won't let rage consume me. This time I will draw out their deaths and draw out the pleasure that will ultimately get me ready for my henchmen. I let out a squeal of excitement and start slashing, painting myself in the blood of sinners. Yes, Sibby. Get it, Sibby? Sibby! Kill.
1: (laughs) <laughs> kill Sibby. After she finishes killing the demons, Sibby decides that she's not gonna kill Zayd since they have the same mission and she would never forgive herself if she did. They clean up and Zayd asks how old she is and she says that she's not sure. She assumes she's in her early 20s because she's never had a birthday and she doesn't know when she was <sighs> born because she was born in the compound. She then explains to him how she grew up in a cult and again, she wasn't born in an actual hospital so there's no actual records of her. So he opens the car door and she asks if she's going to see him again and he says that he thinks so. And as he goes to leave and she walks back to the dollhouse, she gets yelled at to stop where she is and she sees five cops and Zade is behind her yelling at her to get into the fucking car. But she will not leave her drenchman and she tells him to just go. She'll be fine. So Zade takes off with the corpses in his vehicle because that's where they are and draws two policemen away. She notices the three others are distracted and makes a run for it and they start to chase her towards the house. She yells for her drenchman to hide and she <laughs> crawls into the wall and waits. She hears them searching the house and she thinks to herself how she'll probably have to leave Satan's affair for good now because there's no way that the carnival is going to get away with cops looking into a broken doll covered in blood. Fair. Yeah. Her and her drenchman come up with a plan to distract the cops. They're going to slash the tires of one of the cruisers and then take the other one to get away. They sneak out and she's having trouble with the tires because her knife isn't sharp enough to get get through them and the cops start to come out of the building so they just decide to go. All of a sudden as they're driving like a hundred miles an hour because Bane is driving there's flashing lights behind them and there are six new cop cars chasing them. Bane loses control of the car and the card rolls five times before they actually stop and she notices her drenchman and herself are all over the car and there's an ache in her ribs that overpowers any punishment that her dad ever gave her. She's pulled from the car from a paramedic and she screams for her drenchment and the last thing she remembers before they sedate her is mortis calling out her name We then go into our epilogue. She's been in the psychiatric ward of the prison for three months now, but stopped taking the meds that they gave her last week. She notices that when she takes them, she can't even hear like her drenchment or like try to like remember them anymore. So she's like, I'm not taking that. She also knows that the orderly has it out for her, but is too fucking scared of her. That's why. She has no idea if the drenchmen survived the car accident or anything. She was in the hospital for like a couple months before they put her there. She had like a punctured mm-hmm. lung, like like, broken ribs. Like, she was pretty fucked up. Over the last three months of being there, they try to convince her that she's crazy and that they diagnose her with severe psychosis and delusions. She feels someone sit next to her but refuses to look up until she smells the poison berry scent, which is, like, she describes as what her dad scent was like. Poison berry. <gasps> oh. But it's Glenda, an ancient woman who's been there since age 16, and she murdered her whole family. Oh. Glenda. Mm. Glenda, you silly little goose. <laughs> Glenda tells her that her good days are coming for her and to not get discouraged. And Sibby says, I want my henchmen back. I want to go back to my life's mission, executing the demons all across the country. I want to feel my pretty knife plundering into flesh, tearing away at the sinewy muscles and hitting bone to feel the warm blood spraying across my face and chest, coating my skin like oil. And then I want my henchmen to fuck me afterwards, just like they always used to do. Hmm.
2: A girl can dream.
1: Cute. (laughs) (laughs) She admits to Glenda she's wrong and she will never get out according to her lawyer. And then they're interrupted by the guard telling her that it's time for her appointment with Dr. Rosie. As she gets to Dr. Rosie's office, she asks about her henchmen and and how she met them. And we learn that Sibby met them five years ago after escaping the cult. She murdered her father after he killed an innocent woman. She met the henchmen when she stayed in the haunted house for a night to stay warm and has been with them in Satan's Affair ever since. Dr. Rosie asked if she ever saw her henchmen interact with other staff members. And Sibby's like, no, but why would they? They're there to do their job. (laughs) Dr. Rosie then states that the henchmen were real... They found them and matched the descriptions, and they were mannequins.
0: <gasps> they were mannequins? She's just fucking all these mannequins. <laughs> they, <laughs> were and they were roommates? They were roommates. Um, wow. This whole time I just thought they were like invisible, like, you know, like yeah, in me our too. head. I didn't realize they were fucking mannequins.
1: Uh-huh. Um, it gets better. Sibby yells that's not true and has a panic attack. And once the panic attack fades, she demands to know what Dr. Rosie means. And Dr. Rosie says that the description of the henchmen they receive matched mechanical mannequins that move. Dr. Rosie also explained that there were traces of Sibby's DNA on them along with a lot of sex (laughs) (laughs) toys so she was having hallucinations of them being real there weren't mannequins in the cop car she stole and none of the staff see them go missing during operating hours so what I
0: want to know is when she was having, like, all the dicks in her at once, is
1: what exactly was happening?
2: Toys. She oh. was
1: putting all the dicks in her at Just once. Just dildo after dildo in there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. She's stuffing herself full.
0: They're
2: also mechanical, right? So maybe she placed them nicely yeah, while they move. Yeah. That's Less- so much work. She only has two hands. She only has two hands. <laughs> but
1: they're <laughs> suction cups. <laughs> That's true. <Well>. Oh,
0: God. <laughs> I just imagine all the times she was, like, fucking them in the walls as there were people walking through. (laughs) And she's just, like, jerking herself off as people walk by not even knowing. (laughs) I know. (laughs) (laughs) She's just yelling all their names, but she's by herself. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) When
1: I read that, I was like, what? Because <laughs> I crazy. was the same as you, Riley, in Haunting Adeline, since that's what I read first. I'm like, oh, they're just like in her head. Like, she's just cuckoo. Yeah. I mean, she's still cuckoo, but.
0: <laughs> I read this before Haunting Adeline, so I thought they were real the whole time.
1: What a twisty turn. It was
0: a twist.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Sibby demands to know who buried the bodies the last five years and cleaned up all the messes. And Dr. Rosie explains that she literally did all of the work. She just disassociated the axe because she believed the were real and were actually helping her. Sibby also learns that she was having olfactory hallucinations when it came to smelling the demons, which most likely came from the trauma of the cult and the abuse suffered from her dad. And Sibby believes that part because at one point she mentions that her dad, like, beat her so badly and kicked her in the head so many times that she was in bed for like, over a month, like, recovering from it, so. Oh, God. Poor Sibby. Then, as Dr. Rosie says, her little diagnosis she hears a familiar voice say we are real (gasps) yes they are and dr rosie demands to know if she's seeing someone right now and if she stopped her medication she nods and smiles as mortis stands behind dr rosie and then she hears mortis say do it needs to be done sibby so we can get out of here and all be together again the end (gasps) double
2: twist
1: so there's, like, do we get, are
0: there any other books? Does H.G. Carlton have any other books about Sibby? Yes. So there's a second one called Haunting Adeline. That's the one that we said we weren't going to do because the triggers are, like, uh, woof, woof. Like, you guys said that so one was bad and Haunting Adeline, right? Yeah. Uh,
1: 10,000 times worse.
0: And then she's yep. writing
1: Sibby her own book, like, her own, like, big book, not a novella. Oh, uh, okay. Mm-hmm. But I don't know when that's going to come out because she's been working on it for, like, over a year.
0: Yeah. So Damn.
1: So Riley and Andrew,
0: how many red pepper emojis do you give this one?
2: It's out of five, right?
0: Yeah, two point five. I'll give it three and a half. Okay, okay, that's fair. And Andrew, do you mm-hmm. think Sibby's sexy?
2: <laughs> no, I picture like a uh, a really bad um, Harley Quinn cosplayer.
0: Okay, <laughs> oh yeah, So, definitely that's not. Fair. Yeah. Okay. And Riley, would you trade places with Sibby? Mm, no she's had a lot of <laughs> mental health too much work yeah that is yeah. a lot of work finding out she doesn't actually <laughs> have henchmen and uh-huh. that she's doing literally all of the work no
1: thank all, you all of the heavy lifting everything literally everything i mean everything
0: at least she doesn't know she is you know what i mean yeah she's just a single mom working two jobs she is she is all right, so next week, we're going to be telling Riley all about Ghost by Cat Blackthorne. And we're going to have Riley look at the cover and give us her best guess on what it might be about. Okay. So, we have a man on the cover, and he looks like he's, like, dressed in leather. He has, like, a half skull painted on his face. And it says, book one, The Halloween Boys. So, I feel like it's going to be Halloween time.
2: <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> oh, and
0: crazy. that maybe... Shine me up. <laughs> this, this man, he's some type of, like, villain, and he's going to find a girl at a halloween party oh and fuck her
1: <gasps> okay yes. there's
0: gonna be more to it i just don't know yeah okay is that close i don't know okay <laughs> well thank you andrew for coming yes, on thank you, no, thank yeah. you. amazing <laughs> how do you like it do you think you're gonna start reading smut now
2: oh am i gonna start reading smut absolutely not <laughs> okay. there's no character development no plot
0: there was oh. a
2: lot. <laughs> Mm, debatable. <laughs> okay. I'm gonna Cute. just read once a year normal books. Okay.
0: okay. Well, if you liked hearing from Andrew, go check out the Babbling On yeah, podcast. Him and his friend Kyle talk about <laughs> a lot of Stupid stuff. shit <laughs> stuff. <laughs> a
1: lot of stuff. It's
2: structured. We promise.
0: They also have a YouTube channel. So oh, they do. Yes. Check them out.
1: Thanks. And if you liked this episode, make sure you rate, review, and subscribe. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Smut Up and Listen podcast, and on TikTok talk at smut up and listen tell your friends but not your mom and we'll see you later you horny little rats